You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of The Screeners. This is Chad. And I'm Daniel. And we're here to have a very special bonus episode review of Jason Reitman's Tully. And that's the only thing we're going to talk about today, but I have a feeling, Daniel, that that's enough. That's going to give us enough to talk about. Although going into this movie, I'm not sure that I would have said that prior to seeing it. So I'm excited to jump into a bonus review of Tully today with you. But before we do that, I just wanted to remind everyone to please find us on our social media channels. You can find us on Facebook. Just search for The Screener's podcast you can also follow us on twitter at ScreenersCast. and if you're so inclined please send us an email we'll definitely respond right away to screenerscast at gmail.com but with that out of the way let's jump right in to our bonus episode review of tully no 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 do you know what a night nanny is they take care of the baby at night so mom and dad can get some sleep i don't want a stranger in my house it's like a Lifetime movie where the nanny tries to kill the family and the mom survives and she has to walk with a cane at the end. Get over yourself. I'm here to help you with everything. You can't fix the parts without treating the whole. Yeah, no one's treated my whole in a really long time. <laughs> And that is from the trailer of Tully. And as you can see, if you haven't seen it, which let me just go ahead and get this out of the way right at the beginning. There are some reviews that we do where it's okay, I think, even even spoilers, to be honest with you, if you haven't seen the film, it would be okay to listen to our review. Without giving anything away, I'm just going to say this right from the jump. If you have not seen Tully, stop listening to this review right now. We're going to give our very general impressions at the beginning and pretty soon, pretty quickly, I think, jump into spoilers so that we can adequately talk about that. So Tully is directed by Jason Reitman. Jason Reitman jumped out to a really hot start uh, with uh, Juno and Up in the Air, uh, Academy Award nominated. We've had a partnership going now in these last few movies with Diablo Cody, who was the screenwriter for Juno and Young Adult. She won an Oscar for for, Juno. Won an Oscar, yeah. Yeah, for Juno. This is the their, I think their third pairing is that right? Daniel? I think that's right. This young adult and uh, and Juno, I think, were the three. Right, and so I wasn't a huge fan of Young Adult, but I also didn't quite understand the backlash. I think a lot of people hated on it a little more than it deserved. But what I want to do, Daniel, before we jump into Tully just very quickly, is just give me your impressions of this partnership between Reitman and Cody with Juno and Young Adult, and then tell me specifically where Tully falls in this trilogy of films for you. Well, they really—they certainly do feel like a trilogy. They, the, these three films feel one and the same. They feel, uh, especially because Young Adult also starred Charlize Theron, uh, the, the, these two films feel so similar. And it's been quite a few years since I've seen Young Adult. I think I only right. saw it the one time because I'm kind of with you. I, I certainly didn't hate the film, but it just didn't really resonate with me. Um, I love Juno, but my favorite Jason Reitman film by a, a good margin is Up in the Air. I love Up in the Air, which was not written by Diablo Cody. 
yeah. I believe it was written by Jason Reitman himself. I, I could be mistaken on that. I think that's right. And I think most people would agree with you that Up in the Air is probably their favorite of his movies. I mean, it's that is an amazing movie. That's, that's really up there for me. I love Up in the Air so much. But Juno is fantastic. Thank You for Smoking is great. Believe it or not, I actually missed both his of his last two films, Labor Day and Men, Women, and Children. I didn't see either one of those. Huh. So I need okay. to I need to get caught up on those. But uh, but overall, from from I haven't seen his last two films, but I I, I am a fan of Reitman. I think he's a, a great director, very interesting. And as for Tully, you know, what's interesting about this film, um, I actually, Chad saw it before I did, and I actually messaged him uh, we, I needed to ask a question before I saw this movie because I was a little nervous to see Tully because uh, we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, but I'm going to be a dad this year. My wife Yay. is... Yes. Congrats officially to the whole world for you, Daniel. <laughs> so, uh, yes, my, my wife is pregnant, and so we're, she's going to have a baby this fall. And so this is a movie, you know, judging from the trailer, about the struggles, the the hardships of motherhood. And so... and it And it looks upsetting from the trailer you know it looks humorous but it looked really honest and so I, I I needed to know how honest was the movie gonna be was it gonna freak me out especially for my wife she actually ended up not seeing this with me because she she didn't think it was gonna put her in a good headspace you know freak her out a little bit so I saw this one by myself I am curious to see what how whether you thought that was the right decision or not you know what believe it or not I actually don't think it would have upset my wife, really. And it didn't really upset me. Uh, and here's why. I don't believe, again, I want to make this very clear. Before I, sh- before I start, I need to make this very clear. I am not a mother. I will never be a mother. I don't, I'm, and I'm never going to pretend to know what motherhood is like or what women who have babies, uh, what, what they go through. Because it's just something we will will never experience so um so in nowhere in my review do i want to pretend like i know what that experience is like that said i don't feel like totally is a universal picture of motherhood because i think there are a lot of specificities to this story a, a kid with maybe some kind of autism that gives a little extra st- struggle there um there are just there are these there are these added difficulties in the story of of marlo and that I don't feel like is every woman's story, and certainly it is a real thing. This is th- these experiences are something that many women go through, um, but I don't think it's like if you're pregnant, this is your future. This is what's going to happen to you. Because I don't, I don't think that that's the case. I'm curious what your thoughts are on on that chat. Also, as somebody who is a father, yeah, no, I would agree with that for sure. I think the. I think the one thing that we can both agree on is that we have no idea what we're talking about when it comes to yes. the actual trials of motherhood. And so that is, you know, in, in that Slack message that you sent to me, Daniel, I, my response to the best of my recollection was it really just depends and maybe it will or maybe it won't be, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. good good for her. But I do think that this movie in particular, you mentioned some of the, some of the generalities around this specific instance where you have a, a child who potentially has autistic tendencies at the least. You also have... A mother who's in her 40s and they right. have two children already and this was a very unexpected pre- pregnancy you have some financial struggles yeah. and you have you have a marriage that probably wasn't ready necessarily for another child sure. and yeah. so there are a lot of very specific things that kind of are a pressure cooker to this kind of uh, kind of look at this 
kind of motherhood. So right. yeah, I'd say you're, I'd say you're right. On. Exactly. And so that's kind of what I was getting at is, is like, there are, there are absolutely things that I can look at. And, and right now I'm not talking so much about the movie. I'm talking personally here. <laughs> um, the reason I, I don't think my wife would necessarily have a problem watching this is that I think she and I are just in a very different place than the main characters of this movie. It's just a very different story. Now that's well, let me say this before you go on the, the stuff about the endless endless trails of diapers and sure. crying and getting no sleep. Sure. My friend, you're about to get a big <laughs> plate full of that stuff. <laughs> sure. There, there are so that what I love about this movie and I do love it. Let me get into my actual opinions on the movie uh, are that it does give an appreciation for for the universal struggles of motherhood. The, there's a montage near the beginning here after Marlo gives birth that is amazing. One of the best sequences in the, of the movie. It's just a montage of, of the never-ending diapers, the uh, cooking the meals, the spills, the tantrums, just, just thing after thing after thing. That was universal. All right, at least I feel like that is universal. That was a, an amazing universal. <laughs> yes. And so I loved that sequence so much. So there are there are elements here in this story that certainly are universal. I want I do I do want to make that clear. And so it gave me such a great appreciation for motherhood and parenting. Not not just it's of course focused on mothers, but there are elements here that I took from, you know, as a as someone who's about to be a dad. I I really love this movie. Uh, it's it's got an, a unique blend of cynicism there's plenty of cynicism in this movie but also honesty and and a lot of humor this is a pretty funny movie as well and it blends those three things together in a in a very unique way that it kind of leaves you feeling uh, you know i'm not going to get into spoilers of course but it just it it doesn't leave you feeling the way you expect to feel it's not it, there's not one emotion left at the end it's not pure happiness pure sadness pure anything it's just i feel like it's it's more real than that and so um i love the the balance of the tones there. Charlize Theron, her performance is fearless. She she gives it this her all and and never lets go. Uh, and and same with Mackenzie Davis. I think she is a really unique character here and uh, does a really great job of it. it you know, there, there's a lot of this movie that is pessimistic, but it balances it out with I guess you could call it youthful look on life. And my my only kind of negative thing is I feel like pessimism wins out a little bit too much. In this film, from time to time, it feels a little bit uh, overly pessimistic to the point. Well, I, I guess I'll get into a little bit more what I mean by that in spoilers. But overall, this is a really good movie, really unique blend of tones and a really, really strong script that uh, that, that really does not hold back. So I liked it a lot. I agree, Daniel. And so I would say without hesitation that this movie completely surprised me in a positive way just because I went into this. I only saw, I feel like I saw maybe like the first 60 seconds of, I don't know that there was a teaser, maybe just the first trailer. And I knew already as soon as I found out it was Jason Reitman and Diablo Cody that I was going to be in for sure. But that being said, I definitely had something in my mind based on that combination of writer and director of what kind of a film this was going to be. And I could not have been more wrong. And I say that in the best way possible. This movie is certainly very funny. Uh, It is also very cynical. But one of the things one of the things that I like about this version of Diablo Cody is that she, in, in my opinion, in this film, one of the things that she does very well 
is that it still feels like it's her unique voice. It still feels like Diablo Cody. It still has plenty of the Cody-isms, you know, the pop culture yep. refer- references, the quirky kind of dialogue. You know, she says there's a line very early on where they're talking about a brother-in-law and be- both of them from their perspectives, they, he hates me, no, he <laughs> hates me. And then she has this thing where where Marlo says his fa- he's a good guy, his factory settings are just set to a-hole, right? <laughs> so you know right away that it's a Diablo Cody movie, but whereas in the past it felt a little bit overwhelming and, and a little bit showy, I felt like she did a really great job here of letting it be organically what the characters would say in that world. And so it felt pretty natural to me. Now there are some places where it's, it's still showy, but overall I really think this is a strong script, and that is only amplified by what I think is a just powerhouse performance by by Charlie's Theron. She absolutely gives herself to this. I think the word you used was fearless. I, there's a physical change. I think she gained a significant amount of weight to play the role, and she she does it without pretense. One of the things I thought in particular is that it's just so honest and believable, not just in the physical transformation that she undertook, but she has a true lifelessness in her eyes yeah. and in her face in the first half of this movie that is very hard to get. I could really feel the exhaustion of that character. I mean, she exudes exhaustion and frustration, and I could really feel how tired and desperate she was. It's absolutely stellar work, which is really kind of a bummer to me that this movie was released against Infinity War because I feel like this needs to be a fall release so that it doesn't get buried, because I think she would have a legitimate shot to have, and maybe she does, but I think they would have more attention drawn to it, because I really do think it's it's award-worthy caliber work here. Let, let me uh, let me tell you why I think it was released here, um, because I agree, I think she totally could have had a good awards run, and she still could, like you said, uh, but it's going to be a lot more difficult at this point. Jason Reitman has another film coming out um, that, that I think they're going to try to push put more Oscar weight behind called the front runner with Hugh Jackman playing a a candidate that I I don't know his story from, from the eighties, a real life political candidate candidate that I I can't remember, but yeah, I think they're going to, they're going to put a lot more Uh, Oscar weight behind that and they didn't want to muddy the waters. There you go. So our Oscar expert weighs in with that (laughs) insight. Well, thank you, Daniel. That's good. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. That's good for Jason Reitman. Not great for, for this performance because it really is pretty, pretty singular. So overall, I'm just going to echo what you said and just say that I really, I really like this movie a lot, and I want to say a couple of things just very briefly before we get into spoilers that hopefully won't spoil it, and I don't think it will, but I love the fact that there there's things that happen in this movie that recontextualize the movie. For me, this is a movie that I left and immediately felt like I needed to watch again, and I feel like I'll have a different experience when I watch it again just because... There are so many things that happen in this movie that are related to specific instances where, upon first viewing, I was not necessarily confused, but I thought, wow, this is really going some some different places than I anticipated. And then the movie ties up in a way that I think it earns what I saw. So I hope, I know that's weird and ambiguous what I just said, but that's, that's the best way that I can 
can say, go see this movie and then come back and listen to, to the rest of it. But I do think that overall this movie has a lot of very challenging moments in it. It has a lot of beautiful moments in it. I was moved uh, multiple places, which we'll, we'll get into when we get into spoilers. I think, certainly, Daniel, you had mentioned you had not seen Labor Day and Men, Women, and Children. And I would say that those both of those movies are just okay. They're not great. Yeah. Uh, they're not nearly worthy of the vitriol, I think, that's been hurled against them. They're not terrible movies at all. They're just kind of okay. And I think this is a clear return to form, if you want to call it that for Reitman uh, and, and Cody and this pairing. This is, to me, this is certainly better than Young Adult. Um, yeah. For me, not quite as good as Juno. Unlike you, my favorite my favorite film uh, is Juno, hmm. for sure. But we don't have to get into all that. But but in, in either case, this is a movie that is certainly worth your time and, and I think is really, really great. We haven't talked a lot about Mackenzie Davis, yeah. but I do want to say that it's a very different thing that she has to do here as opposed to Charlize Theron. But I think what she does is just as effective. She is a, a breath of fresh air and life and compassion in this relationship. And I, did, I hadn't seen a lot that she was in. I know she was in Amer- uh, she was an episode of Black Mirror and I think Blade Runner 2049 and maybe The Martian. But I really thought her performance was pretty good, Daniel. Did you, did you like oh, her? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like you said, she plays like a different kind of character. She she's so, sort of like a twist on this on the manic pixie dream. What is it, Man, manic pixie dream girl? Um, yeah. She's just kind of this youthful, youthful, different energy that just comes in and and allows uh, allows Marlo to see things in a different light. You know, one of my favorite subgenres of movies is what I I don't think it actually has a title. If it does, somebody correct me. But I, I call them talking movies. They're just the, the movies that allow these characters to just kind of sit and have these long deep conversations the ones we wish we could have in real life and you know they just talk about life and emotions and dreams and that's what this this movie gives uh, an opportunity for between Marlo and Tully they can just have these uh, conversations honest conversations about um, really deep things. I really love the way those scenes are written. They they allow for honesty in, in a way that we, like I said, we wish we could be in real life. So I think Mackenzie Davis plays really great off of Charlize Theron and, and they both do such a fantastic job. Yeah, I agree. And we also have Mark Duplass and Ron Livingston mm-hmm. play the, the respective husbands. One is a, a brother to Marlo's character, and then Ron Livingston plays the husband to Marlo. And they're both very good uh, in what they do. You know, Mark Duplass is one of those that continues to surprise me. Have you, there's actually, so this is a side thing, but he has a, he has a couple of horror movies on Netflix. Have you seen these, I, Daniel? I have not watched them. I, I've, I know, uh, Creep, isn't that what they're called? Yes, yeah. and there's actually a creep too. So here's the thing: I don't, you don't have to really like horror movies because it's certainly a different kind of horror movie. But here's just a little side recommendation: you should definitely see Creep. Okay, that's I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> All right, check it out and let me know what you think. So, uh, but anyway, I think one of the as we wrap this up, I think there's just strong performances all around. The direction is good; it feels authentic, it feels natural, and I think the script is really, really on point. I think this is a version of Diablo Cody that I'm really excited. Uh, not that I not that I wasn't excited before, but I'm very excited to, to hear the more mature. It's almost like we got a chance to see these guys kind of grow up together in this trilogy and it yeah. really does work like a trilogy so daniel anything else you want to talk about before we give our recommendations uh no i i think this is a really good movie um i believe that probably older parents would would 
relate a lot more to this film than than I would somebody who's not yet a parent. But but still, I think there's there's a lot of universal uh, things that we can all relate to, especially we, we we all either know a parent or are a parent. So um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of good stuff here. There absolutely is. And so, Daniel, do you think people should see this in the theater? Should they screen it on a service that they already have? Should they rent it or should they skip it? I think it's theater worthy. I think, uh, you know, this is going to be good counter summer programming. Uh, You've already seen Infinity War or or you hate the Avengers. So then either way, this is right up your alley. So yes, you should see this in the theater. But of course, it will not lose anything if you watch it at home. Uh, But either way, I would um, definitely avoid spoilers for this movie and and just kind of go in as blind as you can. Yeah, and I'll second that and say this movie is absolutely theater-worthy. Skip all trailers, everything that you can about it, and just go and see it. I just hope that you will see it, because it is worthy of being seen. And with that, we will move into spoilers for Tully. The first rule of Fight Club is, you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? There's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my Alps in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. He's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. Okay, Daniel. So there's really only one place that we can begin with our spoilers discussion, and that's what people online are calling the twist, quote-unquote. And so what we see in this film and what we learn is that Tully, who has come into, uh, who has come into Marlo's life as really everything that she needed at that time, who only is interested in her and caring for her, taking care of her needs, listening to her, all the things that she has not been getting at home. It starts off great. The house is cleaned. She's baking cupcakes. Everything is working great. And then somewhere along the lines, it starts to, to take a little bit more of a of an interesting turn. And that's where we, we start to, f- or at least I should say, we start to feel like, okay, something feels a little off with here. And for me, that was the sex scene. Mm-hmm. And so that was a scene where Marlo essentially offers Tully up to her husband because they haven't been having sex. And then they, they kind of reference it at breakfast the next morning where he says, hey should we talk about it and and he says yeah it was great and then the kid walks in and then it just kind of goes away and then from there things get a little bit darker they have a night out on the town Tully and Marlo and they get drunk and then we have a crash and then we wake up uh, which the the crash is pretty bad she falls into the water and then uh, Marlo wakes up in a hospital bed and we learn that Tully was in fact in her mind the entire time and not only that but she is actually a younger version of Marlo. Daniel, I mean, just ask you, how did that hit you when it all came together? That's what I figured kind of the whole time. It wasn't a huge surprise to me. Um, I think th- that's not to say it wasn't well done. I don't think the trailers gave that away, per se. I think it was just, uh, that's kind of what I figured the whole time. Because Tully was j- always, from the beginning, she felt like a fairy, you know? She was just kind of this magical creature that entered her life and everything was perfectly okay and the husband never met her just 
I kind of thought that from from the from the trailer alone. I kind of thought that, and so it wasn't a huge surprise to me. That said, I think it's very well done, and I think it's a great metaphor, um, you know, for kind of where her mind was taking her and and the kind of care that she needed. And like I said, that those conversations uh, that between Tully and Marlo were were fantastic and really well executed. And so I think it was all done very well. And even even though that's what I kind of figured was going to happen, I still like you. I, I want to go back and rewatch it because I, I wasn't sure if I was right, you know, until the end. And so I, I do want to go back and kind of re- rewatch it with that recontextualization. Wow. Okay. So I definitely did not pick up on that during the first half. Now, like I said, when that sex scene for me was really kind of the turning point yeah. where I thought, now I don't know how I feel about this. This yeah. feels a little strange. Not just not not from a, a morality standpoint, but just from a mechanism standpoint. Yeah. It was That's way when I too started easy to think. Yeah. Yeah. It was just way too easy. She did all of a It was just like. Oh, that happened, and it was. They didn't really dwell on it. It just kind of happened. Right. And it was very easy. This this it isn't very easy. It, yeah, there you know, were no like, reper- yeah, no repercussions. <laughs> like if this was gonna happen, it would just happen a lot differently, a lot more differently than than it did. It would, and the husband would have been like, "So, can we bring her on permanently?" <laughs> right, right. So, anyway, yeah, it definitely was. That's where it started to, to get a little shaky for me. But I must admit that I still put that out of my mind and just let it wash over me, having not watched all of the trailer. And so, when it when it landed for me, it again, it was that recontextualization that I thought, "Oh man, there are so many little sequences and conversations that." have a complete different meaning now. Um, And so I can't wait to, I can't wait to revisit it. I did think that it earned it. Whereas a lot of people can, a lot of these quote unquote twists can feel very just for the sake of the twist. I felt like this is actually earned. And you know, there's been some controversy. Have you, have you read much about the controversy? No, It's, it's minor. So there's been some controversy about postpartum depression versus postpartum psychosis, which they're both real things. Mm. Although postpartum depression is fairly common, about one in five women experience that. And psychosis is literally a fraction of 1%. The controversy has just been that they didn't name what was going on with her, with Marlo's character at the end, and then she immediately goes to get treatment, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's been some kind of backlash about that because it's, 20, it's 2018 and we have to have a backlash about everything. <laughs> but I think for me, you know, really, the more that I think about that is I actually, I, I feel like that, or I don't feel like a movie it should necessarily be judged for what it isn't um, or what you, what we wished it were. You don't have to like what it does necessarily, but I think the filmmakers made what they made. And to take it a step further, I think in this case, just the fact that this movie exists has so many more people talking about postpartum issues yeah. in general. And in and of itself, that is, that is a great thing. And I honestly think from, uh, not to speak for her, this is just my impression, but I think the fact that they didn't mention it and they didn't treat it was also part of the point. I read some uh, some statistics somewhere uh, in the last couple of days that said 70% of postpartum depression goes undiagnosed and untreated. Mm. I feel like it was in keeping that what we saw in this film was that she needed something that she wasn't getting at home and then she had this issue. That's a very real issue and instead of naming it and getting treatment, she just leaned back into the husband character, which I did want to talk about the husband character, you know, very quickly. I did love the fact 
that he wasn't played as a pure villain. Yeah. It would have been very easy in this movie for him just to be, oh, here's the guy who comes home every night and he just plays video games and he ignores his family. But I think what it does, I think it does a pretty good job of showing that he does love his wife, he does love his yeah. children, but that he's just stopped fighting for her. He's not pursuing her. He's sort of given in to apathy, but not out of meanness. It's just a result that there is a distance that's developed in their marriage. And as a result, they've both just kind of given up and they're pouring all their energies into other things. And so I just like the fact that they didn't make him, because she even says in the movie, she says a couple of times, he works so hard and then he comes home and he has to do this and I have to do this. And they've just kind of compartmentalized their lives in such a way that their marriage is falling apart and they and they're, they just cannot talk about it which is why Tully coming into her life gives her the opportunity to kind of have this conversation with herself and then decide to fight fight this illness to come back so it's it's a complicated thing done through the lens of a of a of a comedy right yeah. of a comedy yeah and and I think you're exactly right I think the husband character is written really wisely because I think I would have tuned this movie out a little bit more had the husband character been been more of a generic villain um, because everything he does is very relatable. It's he like you said he is not at all a villain. He's just he's not putting their relationship first, which is that uh, almost everyone in a relationship has has had that experience at some point. You know where where we found ourselves slipping in that way, not cheating, not abuse, not anything like that just distance you know and it's so it's yeah. so much more real like you said you you know marla was saying how her husband helps the kids with their homework they make lunches to they make the kids lunches together they do all these things like he is not an absent father he is not working coming home and shutting out the family he is working for his family he is being a part of the family their relationship just just is suffering a little bit that that's that's all i say that all that's all not as as in that's a minor thing but it's not some grand villainous scheme and so i agree i think he was written very well i want to ask you too about this kind of magical realism thing that we see a couple of times with the imagery of the mermaid and the things of that and specifically there's this motif that recur that occurs a couple of times about people changing there's an overt metaphor where she talks about specifically if a boat were to change its wood one small section at a time over time it has all new wood and so then she asked the question, is it the same boat? I thought that was just a really interesting metaphor for how people, number one, are constantly changing. Uh, and it colors the story arc that Tully has in her conversations with Marlowe. But in particular, I thought it was a beautiful, and, and Daniel, so I, please don't take this condescendingly because I don't mean it this way. I just mean that you will experience this more as you get old like sure. me. Because I thought there was a, has, this has nothing to do with children, but I thought there was beautiful kind of poetic discussion around the idea of people getting older and yearning for the days of their youth when they were able to pursue and be pursued when you didn't have a care in the world when you were strong physically yeah. right and and you know you have this moment where she goes to the bar and she says no one's looked at me like that in in decades and there is this thing as we get older where it's it's through a certainly through the lens of nostalgia but you look back and you think wow to do that one more time, yeah. right? Because you just you youth is wasted on the young, 
And I think there's a beautiful arc that happens in here, not just with the postpartum depression, but with this yearning to be to be young again. And I think the lens of that is not just about being young, but it's about the feelings that she had for her husband. She has this beautiful conversation in the back of a flatbed truck where she says, he is the one. He is the one that I love. He's the one that I got off the carousel for. And so I think there's this story within a story is also just just really well done as well. Yeah, it's it's not just a, a story about motherhood. Exactly right. It's a story about getting older and and the distances that come with that and the things that we take for granted, like our, like our spouse and you know things like that. I think it's so well done. I think that boat analogy was beautiful, and I think it's especially when you when you look back on the. Film, Film after you see, you know that Tully, Tully not only doesn't exist, but is is you know maybe some kind of some she kind of a younger version of Marlowe in her mind, right? So the answer to the question is, you know, or Marlowe in, in in that initial conversation, Marlowe says that no, it is a new person. You're you're a totally new person. But we know that that's that in this film doesn't seem to be the case. You know, you always have right. the 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 remnants of your your earlier years. And uh, I thought that was a really beautiful analogy. It really is. It really is. And the more that I think about it and the more that we talk about it, it really makes me want to revisit it again. I think I think Diablo Cody has done I mean, I hate to I hate to be too hyperbolic, but I really do think she's done a pretty masterful job with the script and really yeah. exploring in a not an overt way some very significant life events. I definitely, I like I said, I'm I, I think this is a there are specificities to this story um, that like postpartum depression that that we I've never seen. Uh, on screen I, at least i i can't remember or recall uh, uh, this happening on screen before and so i think it does give uh, a picture of something that is very real and not like you said not all that uncommon um but there's right. there's stigma attached to it in and i think films like this help people see that it is more common now this the the psychosis aspect of it is is a little bit different um i I wasn't aware of that controversy so back just back going back to that people are just upset that it wasn't said that she has postpartum psychosis well you have you kind of have two you have two camps you have the one camp that wants the delineation of it's not just postpartum depression it's actually psychosis the bigger controversy though was that when at the end when it all comes together and we realize that there was an issue that there wasn't another follow-up beat at the end where she went into treatment or they said it out loud Ah, or you know they kind of named the problem so that it would be more helpful but again I just don't think that was the artist's intent and I think the fact that this exists in the world accomplishes that yeah I totally agree because we're sitting here talking about it so I guess so people are upset that it kind of I guess if I'm playing replaying that in my mind she was in the hospital and then it kind of cut to them back at home and right and they touch yeah. shoulders while they're at yeah. the sink and the and it, the subtext there is everything's okay yeah well i don't i, I didn't get that no i didn't either i i get that things are not okay but they're gonna work they're gonna do the work and and it, it will get better that there is hope for a future um i definitely did not think everything was okay at the ending of this movie that's that's interesting i, I didn't know yeah. that there was this controversy 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, so I want to I want to shout out a couple of moments just real quick, and then we'll wrap up because they were two two moments that I I thought were really impactful. One is the moment where Theron's character has the meltdown in the private school office, mm-hmm. where she says, "The only reason you like my because fa- the the teacher keeps saying we love your family," and she just kind of calls her out and says, "You don't love my family. It's just because my family makes these donations. You don't want my retarded son here." And she just really melts down and screams, and then she runs out into the parking lot and the little boys in the backseat of the car and we see her just scream and then get in the car and try to get it back together mm. and that really was so impactful it's just a powerhouse performance and a, and a great moment yeah. also too we should say i think both of the kids in this in this movie are very good as well yeah. the older children uh, and the one moment that really got me more than any was when they leave the school and they go to the go to their new school and he's scared and so and again I am a soft target for this because <laughs> I have a six year old that is about to start kindergarten in the fall and so uh, so he goes to this new school and he's scared and he 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 has some we don't they never say it but we it's clear that he has he's probably on the spectrum somewhere. And so he's in the bathroom and the noise of the dryer scares him and he has a meltdown and he comes out and he's crying and his mom is stressed out and this teacher comes up and he has such a beautiful human moment where he says, let's stand like trees and he calms him down. And it's just, I know it's a movie, but I was just so grateful for that teacher in that moment. It was like, I just wish more people were like this and they don't pay teachers enough and they, teachers are wonderful. And And, so he was saying a beautiful moment. He he was, she was apologizing for the meltdown and he he kept saying, don't apologize. You did nothing wrong. But he, you know, that, that feels like a generic line, but the way it's delivered and the way it's said is so human that I, yeah, I agree. I think it was great. So beautiful. And then, and, Marlo's character in the back is making the tree as well. It's just such yeah. a beautiful, such a beautiful moment. So yeah. overall, I think this movie, it's not traditional. It's not the feel-good film of the year. It's going to go to some dark places, but it does it in an honest way. It shoots it in a very naturalistic way that is uh, that is beautiful, On a, working from a great script with magnificent performances. So for my money, I, I say that uh, you definitely should go see this. Daniel, anything else before we go? No, I totally agree. I, I'm... Uh, I'm nervous to be a dad, but I think movies like Tully uh, make me excited, even though it's a little it's a little weird, you know, because this is not a happy movie. But uh, it makes me appreciate the the that so many people go through such hard things and uh, that I know I know we're going to make it out. (laughs) So I'm, I'm, I'm I love that this was so challenging and raw. Absolutely. And let me tell you, brother, it is worth Every second of it, you're going to be a great dad, and kids are the greatest, and I love this movie. So <laughs> so thank you guys again for listening to our special bonus episode review of Tully. As always, you can find us on Facebook. Search for The Screeners Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Daniel does a great job of putting out new content and engaging uh, at ScreenersCast. Or send us an email, ScreenersCast at gmail.com. Join us next time when we'll be reviewing Deadpool 2. We'll see you later. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.